I do want to highlight that Christmas Eve thing again. It is an amazing opportunity, Christmas Eve, to invite friends, family, neighbors, coworkers, uh, people from school, whatever, who wouldn't normally come to church because many times they'll come on Christmas Eve. And, uh, and so because of that, last year we were jam-packed in here. And so uh, now it means we have room to grow by 100% if everybody brings one, okay? And uh, it is going to be a fantastic evening. I know that you won't regret it. But we're glad you're here today. And so here's the question. Voici la question. Est-ce que vous êtes prêts? Are you ready? Here's the question. Uh, I... I, I, I'm, I'm going to give you a heads up because last week I felt like it was a little sleepy. I'm still, I'm thinking winter is setting in already. And so I just want to make sure you're ready to go. Get, you, get your lungs loosened up. Here we go. Get ready. Get your eyes ready to focus on the Word of God. Here's the question. Are you ready to study God's Word today? Okay. So today we're going to start in Psalm chapter 2. Psalm 2. And around this time of year there's a question that people seem to ask all the time. What I find is that, that when, when adults come across a little child, that many times this time of year, the, the little icebreaker question that they'll use is you'll bend down and ask a child. I hear this question all the time. So kid, what do you want for Christmas, right? And so because of that, I looked online to see what some children asked for on their Christmas list. And I want to show you a few of these uh, I know they might be hard to read, but hey, that's great incentive for you to sit up front. Okay, that's a little personal thing. And so, uh, dear Santa, Merry Christmas. This is from Patrick. He says, please bring presents. Please, Santa, bring me toys. I want three puppies. I do not think Mother verified this Christmas list. Not only three puppies, but a giraffe. I hope he has a big house. But here's, here's the important part. If you skip down to the last request, please bring mama and mommy coffee. Now that sounds like a ger very generous request. Oh, sweet. He wants his mother to have coffee as a gift for Christmas. No, it's because he's seen mother in the morning without coffee. <laughs> this request is for his own protection, poor little Patrick. Now, on the next one, this is a pretty normal sort of list. You know, a lot of things like a bouncy ball. But then, that was not specific enough. It has to be a red bouncy ball. A toy Mario, a toy worm. But here's what I love down here. A dinosaur flashlight. And number 12, a book about potatoes. <laughs> I mean, is this the depression? Era, I, 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 maybe he's from uh, the McCain family in New Brunswick. I, I can't quite figure out exactly. Do they make books about potatoes, like a whole book for kids? I, okay, so now before I show you this next one, you know how some personality types are very general and others are very, very, very specific. This child is such a control freak that they did not want to trust Santa to make the presents in his toy shop. Instead, look at this, the kid gives the URL for the website, httpwwamazoncom slash 9P slash product slash B0032HF60 slash M slash R. 
How many of you have some kids like that? <laughs> but here's the best one of all. Here's, here's the best one of all. I saved the best one for last. Here we go. Okay. Uh, no, this is... What... <laughs> Cat, 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 cat. I think the kid wants a cat. Then runs out of black ink, turns to orange ink. Cat, 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 cat. If you can't see vertically, cat with exclamation points. And then just in case Santa's vision is getting bad and he forgets his glasses, C-A-T in extra large letters. But then you have the spiritual child. The spiritual child, so kind, so tender-hearted. Little Henry says, dear Santa, I want four presents. How are your elves? Aw, caring about others. Do you have Christmas cookies? Also, Santa, Christmas is about Jesus, not you. <laughs> just saying, just saying. Santa got served, okay? <laughs> so that's a good one for church, right? Christmas is about Jesus, not Santa. So what do you want for Christmas? That is a question filled with endless possibilities, limited only by your parents' bank account. But what if someone asked you who had an unlimited bank account? What if it was someone who could give you anything? In other words, what if God is the one who asks you, what do you want for Christmas? Preston Morrison points to an interesting passage that I had never noticed before, this little offer that God makes to a particular king in Psalm chapter 2. In Psalm 2, verse 7 and 8, God says to this king, Ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. God literally says to this king, If you ask me, in this instance, in this particular moment, I will give you anything you ask for. What if God said that to you? Would you even know what to say? It's a hard question. There are a lot of things we want. But if you had one thing that you could unbox this Christmas, what would it be? I'm going to offer to you three suggestions today, three answers to that question. If God were to ask you, what do you want for Christmas? The first one is a bad answer. And the second two are really good answers. And so the first answer, if God were to ask, what do you want? You could just say, well, I want more than I have right now. Now that sounds like a good answer, but really it's a bad answer. And here is why. Because it is based on a false assumption. That it, it assumes that I would be more in life if I just had more in life. Seven years ago, Cornell University did a study where they found 86% of college freshmen believe that being wealthy is important or essential to a good life. 86% of college freshmen believe that being financially rich is important or essential to having a good life. A follow-up survey of teenagers found that the average teenager expects the salary of their first job will be $75,000. <laughs> I 
I'm just going to let that one sit there. A 2014 study in Great Britain found one in five 10-year-olds, in Great Britain, one in five 10-year-olds said their number one career priority is to be rich. 10-year-olds, and all they want is to be rich. And 75% of 10-year-olds said that money can make you happy. Now, where are they getting this? They're learning it from us and from the culture that we allow them to consume in a world where today we are shaped more by Instagram, YouTube, and celebrities than we are by the Word of God. And Satan feeds us this lie again and again that that what's holding you back from being all that you think you could or should be is that you just don't have enough stuff or enough followers on social media or enough friends or enough influence or enough celebrity. However, 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 6 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. I want to give you a truth today that will save you from so much grief. In your life, if you get a hold of this truth, it will save you from so much heartache and grief when you realize this. When you fixate on what you don't have, you risk losing what you do have. This is huge. In fact, this is maybe the reason that some of you were drawn here by God today, was specifically for this message. When you fixate on what you don't have in life, that you begin to risk losing what you already do have. We see this all the time in marriages. When a man focuses on what his wife is not, he is in danger of losing the wife he's got. When a woman only focuses on what frustrates her about her husband, when an employee is fixated on what all the other people at work have, why didn't I get that promotion? Why did that person get that special attention? Why didn't the boss treat me that way? Why didn't I get that raise? Why didn't I get that promotion? What happens is that if we're not careful, there's a habit that we can slip into of living in discontent. And when we carry around with us a habit of discontent, people see that in us, and it doesn't taste very good. That we want more, but in fact, people start to pull away. And what happens so often is when we fixate on what we don't have, we end up losing the job we do have, or the relationship we do have, or whatever it is that we already do have in our lives. Here's the rest of that verse, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 through 10. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So many people are in agony, living, having, having ourselves pierced with many griefs because we don't appreciate 
the family we have. We don't appreciate the church we have. We don't appreciate the, the, the job we have. And in our discontent, when we start chasing after something else, sometimes we lis- risk losing what God has already given us. And so if God were to ask you today, what do you want? The worst thing you could say is just, I want more. Now the next one is a, a good answer. You could say, I want to do more with what I already have. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 10 asks, who despises the day of small things? Because we serve a God who specializes in helping you take small things and turn them into significant things. And one of the best prayers we can pray is, Lord, help me to do better with what you have already given me. If you look at Luke chapter 16, verse 10, we looked at this last month in our series where Jesus says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with little will also be dishonest with much. You see, if you look at what God has given you and all you see is little, then little is all it will ever be. Preston Morrison gives this amazing quote. God often disguises big opportunities wrapped in little responsibilities. Don't despise the little. Big opportunities are often wrapped in little responsibilities. In other words, when you do the little things well in your life, it often opens up opportunities for more. One time years ago, there was a guy at our church. He was a sweethearted guy. We were good friends. And there was a job opening that came uh, open on our staff at church for a, a, a job leading a, a department, leading a ministry as a pastor role. And, and, uh, and he came to me and he asked, Joel, Uh, could I interview for that job? And I said, no. And he said, what? What do you mean, no? I said, no, you cannot interview for that job. And he said, why, Joel? I thought we were friends. I thought you liked me. And I said, I do, I love you. But you're not even serving in the ministry I'd be hiring you to lead. (laughs) You don't start up here. You need to demonstrate faithfulness in little. You start down here. And if you start serving in that area of ministry, you start demonstrating faithfulness, you start growing in your leadership, growing in your spiritual maturity, then maybe later sometime you may be able to interview for that job. But, but right now, you have not yet demonstrated faithfulness in little. I cannot give you much. Don't despise little opportunities. What you call a trial, God calls a test to see if you can handle it. That's what we uh, love about our small groups, that our small groups specialize 
in serving our community in small ways, out in our city, meeting the needs of our community. We, you know that our dream as a church is to be the largest volunteer mobilization force that this city has ever seen. And so our small groups are out every month serving in our city, making a difference, meeting needs. We have 50 of our adult small groups serving, and that's just our adult groups, not even counting all that children's ministry does and our prime student ministry does. Here are just a few examples from just this month. Janelle Cowper's group, mostly young adults in their 20s, spread out at different grocery stores around the city this week, collecting for the food depot alimentaire to feed those who are hungry. Brad and Misty's small group served at the Briarlee Seniors Home. And the children put on a program there, sharing love with the residents, many of whom can't get out, so we took love to them. Carl and Robin's small group are serving at a pancake breakfast, raising funds to meet the needs of people in Salisbury. This month, Ken and Margot's small group served at the Humanity Project downtown, sharing Christ's love with some of the most vulnerable in our city. And those are just a few of many examples, but just over the last few weeks, and none of these projects are huge, earth-shattering events in and of themselves. But when you put them together... <laughs> When we join together, as we do each year, with thousands and thousands of hours serving our community, meeting needs, helping make our community a better place, we believe that we can move the needle in our community. We believe that together we can make a difference because small things done with love can change the world. Amen? So don't despise little opportunities because God specializes in taking little and making it much. And so if God asks you what you want for Christmas, if you were to say, Lord, help me to do more with what I already have, that's a good answer. That's a very good answer. But let me give you today the best answer. Here's what you find in Scripture. If God ever asks, what can I give you? The best answer you could give is, I want you, Lord, more than ever before. Let me hear an amen. amen. John 15, verse 4, Jesus says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. That a, a branch, Jesus says, cannot bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. See, Jesus wants you to be fruitful for your life to be abundant and fulfilling, but that can never happen apart from us being connected to him. And so there's a key word in this verse that shows up four different times. Let's see if you can identify it. Let's read it out loud together. Let's go back one screen. Back one screen. John 15, verse 4. Everybody together. Jesus says, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. 
Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now this time, let's read it like we mean it. Read it with conviction. Jesus says, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. What's the key word here? I think you can figure it out. The word is remain. Now you know that the the New Testament was not written in English. It was written in Greek. And the Greek word here in this verse for remain is the word meno. If you read it in some uh, English translations, they will translate it as the word abide. But we don't use that word very often in our language today. And so I think if we were to translate that word today, what we would probably use is the word stay. Stay with me, Jesus says. Because that word in Greek for in is the exact same word as with. So Jesus is saying, won't you stay with me? And I'll stay with you. And so what that means is the last time you spent some alone time with God. Maybe you, you were playing some music on Spotify, some worship music, or one of the songs that, that we sing on Sunday morning and spending time in the Bible and spending time in prayer. And that as you wrapped up that time alone with God, just as you were closing your Bible and getting up to to go out about the busyness of your day, that maybe God was saying something like this, can't you stay just a little bit longer? Reminds me of the 1960 song, oh, won't you stay? Can you imagine Jesus singing to you just a little bit longer? Oh, won't you please stay, stay. And you say, but, but Lord, I have stuff to do. I'm busy. I, I, I have to go to work. I, I have to go to school. I have assignments to do. I, I have Christmas presents to buy and, and holiday events to go to. And Jesus says, well, then how about this? How about you take me with you? All throughout today. And don't forget me tomorrow. And the day after that and for all of eternity. Psalm 17, verse 6 through 8, I call on you, O God, for you will answer me. Give ear to me and hear my prayer. Show the wonder of your great love, you who save by your right hand those who take refuge in you from their foes. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings." You see, you need to understand today that God is not hiding from you. He wants to be found, but the key is you have to seek, you have to search. Many people do not find him because they give up too soon. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 13, God says, You will seek me and find me when. When what? When you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you 
declares the Lord. God says, look, it's simple. If you are not finding him today, is it possible it's because you have not been seeking? And here's the amazing part. Here's what's so wonderful. Listen, when you earnestly, truly, honestly, diligently begin searching for God in your life, something amazing happens. When you start looking for him, all of a sudden you begin to see him everywhere. All of a sudden you begin to see him at work in that situation that you thought was impossible. All of a sudden you begin to see him at work in your school. You begin to see him at work in your small group. All of a sudden, you begin to see his face in the rising of the morning sun because the people who find Jesus are the ones who seek for him. And the problem is this. See, the problem is so often we come seeking to God because of the gifts that he gives rather than because of who he is. That's a problem. It's a problem if you come to God and you want him to say, here you go, here's a gift. Instead of hearing him say, here I am, I'm the greatest gift. The problem is, when we would rather hear God say, here you go, rather than, here I am. And God knows our heart. And I wonder if sometimes the reason we do not find him is because of our tendency to seek his promises, to seek his gifts more than his person in our lives. But I'm here to tell you, listen, when you seek him with all your heart and begin to find him, all the other stuff that you thought was so important starts to come into focus. And so we're going to spend some time today seeking him with our whole hearts. Now I want to invite you to stand. We're going to bring down the lights in the room a bit just so that we can have some quiet time and listen to the voice of God. Listen to what he might be saying to you today. And I want to give you just a moment quietly in your heart to confess how much time have you spent this week Seeking Jesus versus all the other things that you have pursued. All the other things you've spent time doing and listening to and watching. You see, how we spend our time, how we spend our money, how we invest our lives, how we prioritize our choices, 
that tells us what we really value and what we really worship in our lives. And I know for me, there are so many times in my life when I do an honest evaluation, Jesus has not been first. And that evaluation leads to an explanation for why so many of things, the things in my life have gotten out of line. How many things have gotten a hold of me and bad habits that have developed and bad thinking and lies that I start to believe. And so I just want to give you a moment today. Would you just close your eyes and spend a moment with God? Heavenly Father, I, I sense that there is some confession that's happening around the room today and for those who are with us online. That in the celebration of your birthday, Jesus, we get our eyes off of you somehow. That even though we say it's about you, we live our lives as if it's all about us. And so, Lord, I pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit that a holy refreshment would come over your people. Right now, all around this room, if you would just receive what God has for you, don't be a closed door. He's knocking. Let him come in with refreshment, the power of his Holy Spirit. And it's going to be uncomfortable. He's going to call you to change some things, to give up some things, to walk away from the world and to walk in his life. But I'm here to tell you it's worth it. It is so worth it. And so, Heavenly Father, now, may your sweet Holy Spirit saturate the atmosphere. Lord, we receive you. Lord, we receive you. That you would stay with us and we would stay with you. That we would remain in the vine. 
Because apart from you, we can do nothing. But in you, we are fruitful. And so, Lord, all around this place, we surrender ourselves to you. And we say, come and have your way. Oh, sweet Jesus. We lift our praise. We lift our praise to you. Oh, we lift our praise to you just right now in your heart. Would you speak of his goodness? Speak of his love in your heart right now. Tell him how much you love him. Confess how much you need him and, and that you want to surrender to him and whatever he wants to do in your life, that he can come and have his way. <laughs>